What up? We are back again today in the studio, and it is time to get the ball rolling. Back once again for the FBS Week 1 reaction slash looking forward to Week 2. Super excited to be here today in the studio. I was able to wake up this morning, get a nice uh, lift on, got a really good run, and now I'm here today after a couple of classes, and I am super excited just to talk some football because nothing uh, zaps your spirit like sitting in a business class when you're thinking about college football and this awesome weekend last night we had our final game of the of the weekend uh on labor day and uh, it was uh, notre dame beat lovell uh 35 to 17 so uh kind of a a interesting game we'll get to that in a little bit so uh we're going to start off with the surprises from week one surprises disappointments we're going to kind of blend this uh in the fbs just due to the nature of week one a lot of the power five schools they play a group of five schools and then vice versa obviously group of five playing that and then you know you're going to have a mingled uh pretty good mix of fcs uh teams in there we even have a couple of division two teams playing in there so uh really kind of an interesting dynamic the first couple of weeks uh is able to we're able to see a couple of matchups that we wouldn't normally see uh i.e you know alabama playing duke and uh uh, other games like that because we know you know Alabama we know they're going to play LSU we know that it's coming we know uh, Auburn and Texas A&M are going to have their time but sometimes we don't get uh, those big games until later in the season so uh, that's just kind of how it works out so we're going to break it down uh, one by one we're going to start off with uh, the reactions and I want to start off with this we'll go hold on I'll let you guys know we'll do uh We'll do the reactions, we'll talk a little bit about the game of the week, and then we'll set you guys up for week two and best bets. We have a lot of over and unders uh, to get to as well. Uh, Some of the ones that you might want to be taking a bet on. Uh, Last week, I feel like I should have taken a couple of bets. Uh, I thought the University of Utah bet was a pretty solid, pretty easy bet last week. Uh, I also, uh, from the FCS again, I said uh, North Alabama would cover the spread and actually beat Western Illinois. Uh, I believe they were favored by 13 and a half points. Western Illinois was, and they ended up losing 26 to 17. They ended up winning by nine. So uh, imagine if I would have taken my money down to Vegas and done that. Regardless, uh, we're here talking about the FBS. So surprises from week one slash disappointments. Number one, the SEC. I have no idea what is going on there. Uh, The talent gap now seems like it is as wide as the Grand Canyon uh, against uh, Power 5 schools. Now, we're going to eliminate Georgia and Vanderbilt. Those guys played an in-conference game. You cannot uh, rule that because there's going to be a win and a loss. Outside of the conference, uh, the SEC went two and one against Power Five schools. Right, uh, that means they're you know lining up, playing teams outside of the conference, inside the Power Five. They went two and one, so good job SEC. This is where it's a little bit sad. Uh, to group of five people, they went four and three. So they had three losses, and they had a, they had an FCS win. So we're gonna get into that. Uh, number one. Uh, I did use the Florida game from week zero in this, so there comes one of the wins uh, there, but 
as we start to discuss some of these teams in the SEC, uh, obviously, you know, Alabama takes care of Duke, Texas A&M takes care of Texas State, LSU takes care of Georgia Southern, uh, and then, then the list goes on. But then we're going to, we arrive, uh, now, I don't know how you guys have them ranked, but... Uh, you end up looking at it, and uh, you ha- you come to Ole Miss, you come to uh, Tennessee, and you come to Missouri. Now, Missouri this year uh, has a different couple different circumstances, right? Uh, they're not officially eligible to play in the postseason. I don't really know what the status of that is, but Mississippi gets worked. Uh, and I'm going to say work, not by the score, but it was just an ugly game. Uh, now, all the credit to Clemson. Congratulations, or not Clemson, sorry, I misspoke, Memphis. Congratulations, Memphis, to be able to go out and to win uh, that big of a game. Now, they were on the road, and, and Matt Luke's in his third year, and uh, he's had some success. Uh, went 6-6 six and six his first year, 5-7, and seven, especially after the debacle that was uh, Hugh Freeze and what was going on and, 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 and all that situation. We remember that. Right, and uh, I believe this is their year that they can start competing back in bowl games, and they have ten defensive starters returning. So defensively, they should be really good, and they did. They held a very high-powered Memphis team to fifteen points, but their offense only got up ten points against a uh, American Athletic opponent. Now that is just. In my, I think it's sad, in my opinion, because you look at it, you're like, oh my goodness, what is going on with with Ole Miss? Well, maybe. You know, maybe that's the outlier. And uh, and then a couple other things happened over the weekend. Well, uh, Missouri goes on the road to Wyoming, and they lose 31-37. to Now, I'm not going to take away anything from Kelly Bryant's performance. He absolutely balled out, and he was obviously a big asset. But what happened? Now, I wasn't able to watch this game uh, just due to some of the, the cable issues, but I was watching it, and I was... Every time I was like, okay, here come the Tigers. Okay, here comes Missouri. Missouri's got this now. And every single time they just disappointed. I have no idea what went wrong. And honestly, I'm sure that the the coaches, Barry Odom, uh, he's probably got a long list of things that they're going to fix. And and stuff like that when you when you go on the road and you lose, they're obviously fixable. But a team like Wyoming, a team that went six and six last year, a team that went seven and six, I believe, the year before, a team, you know, three years ago that had Josh Allen, who now plays for the Buffalo Bills, who was supposed to be this amazing recruit, they only won like eight games that year, seven or eight games that year. So you're telling me you go on the road to Laramie and you can't come up. This is an SEC power this is supposed to be the epitome of college football. When we look at the SEC, we should say that is what college football is. And you lose to Wyoming, that is an embarrassment. But that isn't even the worst of it. Here we go. In Knoxville, Tennessee, Georgia State goes on the road and beats the Tennessee Volunteers. It was something that I had never seen. It looked, and and it was honestly quite sad, that Tennessee did not care that they were there. They didn't. They honestly did not look like they they thought they were going to come in. Georgia State was going to get hit in the mouth, and they were going to roll over and fold. That is not what happened. Tennessee returns 10 starters on offense. They should have been better. They should have been better. I have been told by multiple people, look, bet on the volunteers. The volunteers are going to be good. They're going to be back. You know, uh, that Butch Butch Jones, sorry, I was, I was going to say Butch Davis. That wasn't right. Uh, Butch Jones guy, he didn't know what he was talking about. We're going to get him out, bring in Jeremy Pruitt. He's our guy, blah, blah, blah. But, oh, my goodness, 
you lose to Georgia State. Now, all the credit to Georgia State. Way to go on the road. Now, a couple years ago, I believe it was 10 years ago, actually, maybe a little bit longer, uh, Appalachian State goes on the road uh, in Ann Arbor and knocks off the Michigan Wolverines. And that was crazy. That had never been heard of. And so it's not like it's that hasn't happened before or teams that are big teams haven't fallen before. But are you kidding me? You couldn't muster enough strength to get by Georgia. You could not stop them. The quarterback of Georgia State ran all over them. It was a clinic. I was very impressed. And this is a Georgia State team that went 2-10 and ten the year before. That was picked last towards the bottom of the Sun Belt. This is insane. And their uh, quarterback, sorry, Dan Ellington. Wanted to make sure that I threw his name out there and get, get, give him props. But he ran all over. He absolutely had a great game. And Georgia State's defense came up in, in spots where I was like, okay, what is Tennessee going to do? And it was, they would get hurries. They were getting pressure back to there. For a team that went five and seven, was one game away from the, from, a bowl game this last year, and you know you have a kick, a ball go to, a little bit sideways. You beat uh, South Carolina. You're in the bowl game uh, from this last year, the Tennessee Volunteers. But you can't even muster it. Now you're looking at the schedule going down. You're like, okay, well now I'm not going to be very high on Tennessee. Uh, up next is BYU. Are they going to be able to handle the Cougars? Cougars are on the road. Are they going to be able to handle them? Chattanooga, the Mox. Chattanooga had a great game against Eastern Illinois. Chattanooga plays Jacksonville State, who looks like they might be down a little bit, but might get another win. They're coming off of a, a, a 2-0 uh, victory, 2-0, right, if they win this week. Tennessee could potentially be 0-2 going into that game. Are you going to lose to Chattanooga? Could you imagine the state of Tennessee football if they lose to the Chattanooga Mocs? What is it like to be in Knoxville? I wish I was there. I wish I knew. Tennessee, uh, very sad. And then also you had games uh, like the like the South Carolina-North Carolina game. South Carolina was leading most of the game. They ended up giving it back to North Carolina, the ACC. And the ACC is supposed to be down. It was a really crazy weekend. Now there were a couple games. Uh, Auburn and, and uh, Oregon, obviously, in the SEC, they played. And I felt that Auburn uh, played good enough to win. I thought Oregon kind of shot themselves in the foot there. Uh, so I'm not, I don't really want to get – we'll get into that a little bit later. But the SEC as a whole looks like Alabama's Alabama and Georgia are really top-heavy. LSU looked decent, and A&M looked good. But what can you take away from a, a, a victory, you know, a 55-3 to victory over uh, – you know, Georgia Southern or a 41 to 7 victory over Texas State. What are you looking at there? What are we trying to grasp? Or even a beat down on Duke, Alabama, it was like 14 to 3 at halftime. And you absolutely laid the wood to them in the, in the second half. Now I understand you beat them down, uh, but are you kidding me? You're really only going to, you're only going to, to score 14 points? Come on, man. Is the SEC really as good as what we think they are? Alabama seems dominant. Clemson looked amazing on the complete opposite side of the spectrum. Look at what Clemson's doing. Man, I honestly think that there were teams outside of the Power Five that looked better than what Alabama did that first half. So the SEC, I don't know what is going on. We're going to definitely be following it as they go through the progression. You know, if Tennessee loses to BYU, ooh, we're on a downhill slope there for the middle middle of the pack in the SEC. And honestly, Florida won, and uh, yeah, like I said, Alabama won, but it wasn't pretty. Neither of the games were really pretty. Obviously, second half for Alabama, they turned it on, but it wasn't really pretty. Georgia looks dominant. Beat Vanderbilt pretty good, and that's a good Vanderbilt team. Uh, also, another reaction was Nebraska. 
I said at the, when we went through, it was, uh, I believe it was the end of week zero on my podcast where I said, I don't understand how you can give uh, a ranking to a team that didn't even make the a bowl game last year. They went four and eight. How are they, how are they 24th in the nation? Who gave them that? Now, I understand Scott Frost did his amazing thing at UCF, and uh, he's, you know, the guy to come in, but allowing 21 points to South Alabama, who was also picked to be one of the bottom dwellers in the Sunbelt Conference. Are you kidding me, Nebraska, right now? I was not impressed whatsoever with this Nebraska team. I watched a little bit, flipped back and forth between the channels, and I was like, every time, I was like, they're going to win. South Alabama's going to come back. Now they got a couple of breaks, and all good teams have breaks, but they are a lot farther away from being back than what we thought. Also, on the same line of thinking, people to say that they're back, where Texas, the jury's still out because you can't make, make much of a Louisiana Tech win, but you look at a team like uh, Florida State, you are at home against Boise State. Now, that's respectable, but you got to understand, Boise State, like I said in, in the week one recap, they had everything against them. They were supposed to play in Jacksonville, got moved to Tallahassee. It becomes a home game. You all get another home game. You have uh, Hank Bachmeyer, who's starting his first college start, and the defense looked tremendous at first house, and the second house, they just choked. It was bad. There were times where it would be four and out, four and out, four and out. There was one drive in the second half where they got eight plays. Uh, that is absolutely insane. I don't understand the spread offense. I mean, you run the spread. I, I get it. But at some point, you got to control that time of possession. Because if you have the ball in your hands, the defense is on the field. It's hotter. It's harder. It's putting wear on their bodies versus the other way around where if you're just giving them the ball, well, now your defense is, now your defense is suffering. You can have subs, but you can only go so deep in college. And then finally, with kind of a little bit of the overrated talk, is UCLA's Chip Kelly. Now, there's been a lot of national uh, attention around Chip Kelly uh, losing to uh, the Cincinnati Bearcats. And, you know, I heard one uh, columnist saying, well, well, you can't blame Chip Kelly for the state of what Jim Mora left the program in. Well, Jim Mora won 10 games in 13, 10 games in 14, 8 games in 15. So, you know what? I'd say the program was in pretty good shape. Now, it did take a turn. In 16, they won 4 games. And the last year he was there, he won 6 games. Uh, but he also got to back-to-back 10-win teams there. Now, I understand Brett Hundley was there. It was a really talented squad. But that squad was ranked 7th in the preseason polls. Chip Kelly hasn't done anything like that. They won three three games. Now they're saying, well, it's only, you've only seen a small sample size. Don't overreact. Honestly, he was so revolutionary in, in the time that he did when he came up with Oregon and speed, 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 and, and run it and run it. The game has changed. Defensive coordinators are smarter. And if you're not willing to adapt to the new style of play and being able to, to change up personnel, then you're going to be obsolete. Honestly, I understand you have a tough schedule. you got San Diego State coming up, which honestly is starting to look like a very even matchup. I gave UCLA the edge in the in, uh, like the preseason, but it's really starting to see like a, like a very close matchup. you got Oklahoma State, and you're on the road against Wazoo. You don't really have a break to start off the season. Now you do get Arizona and Oregon State after, but UCLA, you got to get it together. Now people said, well, it's a basketball school. It's not a football school. Well, then how did Jim Moore do it? How did he get to 10 wins? He obviously figured it out. He had some kind of a secret formula. Chip Kelly called up Jim Moore to figure out what was going out. 
figure out what's going on. Come on. I want to see it. I was really disappointed in uh, UCLA. Congratulations to the Bearcats of Cincinnati for getting it. Uh, Finally, uh, the final reaction, and uh, I guess this can lead us into a little bit more of a a talk uh, about college football in general, but the transfer quarterbacks, uh, we kind of had a mixed bag. And I want to go over some stats for you guys, and then I'm going to say, uh, maybe we'll have a, a, a poll there on social media, but we're going to pull it up, right? Kelly Bryant, Justin Fields, Josh Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Austin Kendall, and Jacob Eason absolutely had tremendous days, right? Kelly Bryant threw for uh, 423 yards, two TDs. Uh, Justin Fields had a great time at Ohio State, 234 yards. Josh Jackson, 245 yards. Uh, Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma had 332 yards with 176 yards rushing. Uh, Austin Kendall for West Virginia had 260 yards passing. Jacob Eason had 349 yards. Now, so you're looking, you're like, wow, these transfer quarterbacks are looking good. I like it. But for me, I don't know because I want to pull up the stats. Look at Tate Martell. He's now a wide receiver. He transfers over from Ohio State. He's going to go play at Miami and loses the job to Jaron Williams. Now, congratulations, Jaron Williams. Way to go. Way to beat him out. But I wonder how Tate Martell feels right now. He thought, hey, I'm at Ohio State. All of a sudden, you know, Justin Fields' name's being thrown around. Uh, Dwayne Haskins was there before. Well, I'm not going to win the job. I'm going to go down, down to Miami. I'm going to be living it up in the sun. Well, you're going to be living it up at the wide receiver spot. He actually... Uh, had one yard or negative one yard receiving in the game against Florida. So there you go. Uh, how about we ask Gabe Gubrin? I said before preseason I was sold on him. I really liked him. I can see why uh, Mike Leach put in his replacement, Anthony Gordon. Anthony Gordon played so good, right? And he sat behind Connor Minshew. He sat behind him. He learned from him. He played at a junior college before, and then he went to Washington State. He had two years at Washington State, I believe. And now he's absolutely tearing it up. Congratulations, Anthony Gordon. He absolutely balled out against New Mexico State. And you look at it, Gabe Gumbrad was put in. He went 9 of 11, 76 yards, one touchdown. I wonder how he feels sitting on the bench. Alex Hornibrook didn't even play, right? James Blackman uh, in Florida State didn't even play. Wisconsin looked tremendous against UCF, USF, sorry. And then Brandon Woodbish, kind of. He uh, obviously he played a very good game against Florida A and M. Uh, had 170, or sorry, uh, he threw for quite a few yards, quite a few touchdowns, uh, and they ended up winning in in route to beat Florida A and M. But he wasn't the starter. If you know uh, Mackenzie Milton is healthy, he starts. If Daryl Mack doesn't get injured in in uh, camp. He starts over him. So you look at it, you're like, is the transfer portal really good? Well, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't make the top teams as top-heavy. You, know, you see these guys leaving Alabama. You see these guys leaving uh, Clemson, Oklahoma, uh, Georgia, obviously, Justin Fields and Jacob Eason, and they're sticking with their guy from. Congratulations. I love the loyalty. That is awesome. But you look at it, you're like, man, is this really helping? I, w- I want to ask these guys, what do they think about the transfer portal? Uh, if, the, if they knew that they could have went and played somewhere else, I guarantee you a team like what we were just talking about, UCLA, would have loved to have any of the guys, the lot of guys that I talked, Tate Martell, Gabe Gubra, Alex Hornibrook, Brandon Winbush, kind of, right? 
I'm sure they would have loved, loved, loved to have him on their team. Go to UCLA. It is crazy that you go there. They don't even win the starting job. Like, I don't understand the transfer portal. Like, oh, I'm in Wisconsin. I was the starter. And then all of a sudden, there's this guy going to come up and beat me. Well, I'm going to transfer down to uh, Florida State. Oh, wait, they have a guy there. Well, maybe I can beat him out. Well, they didn't. Now I wonder how they feel sitting on the sidelines. You're like, okay, well, what's going on here? Honestly, it, it, it amazes me. At the same time, I think, it, like I said, Justin Fields is working out for Jalen Hurts is working out for Kelly Bryant. T- two teams. I mean, I understand Trevor Lawrence, uh, Tua Tagovailoa, great quarterbacks, but Jalen Hurts still want a natty, and you look at all the other the other people. Kelly Bryant, he's a baller too. As a starter, he absolutely balled out. I understand Trevor Lawrence is a little bit better, uh, and and I would and I would have done the same thing. But they're leaving and they're going. They're making immediate impacts on the teams that they're playing for. Even a guy like Austin Kendall, I understand he's playing at West Virginia, new system uh, was against a really hard uh, James Madison team. Some say it's the best team in FCS. Others say second best team. But that is absolutely crazy. This transfer portal that has now been created uh, by the NCAA, we definitely want to be keeping our eyes out on that uh, as. And starts to roll forward. Uh, so right now we're going to be taking a break. After the break, uh, we will be back. We'll be going over the games of the week for week two. And those were the reactions, disappointments, surprises of week one. Kind of went over a little bit of it in uh, the week one recap. A lot of that is just games and scores, but we're going over a little bit in depth. Following these storylines, because these storylines are going to co- carry over. Now you better believe in the week three and the FBS, you're going to be like, wait. Tyler said he's going to talk about the SEC. Well, the SEC also lost. You know, they went four and three again against Group Five conferences. You know, oh, but this time Kentucky lost. I, I'm just throwing out a team. I don't know if they actually play a Group of Five team, but just kind of things like that. These are the storylines that were created from Week One that will be going into Week Two. Uh, so after the break, we'll be talking about the game of the week from last week, a uh, little bit of a reaction there, and then uh, going into the games of the games of the week for this upcoming week. Uh, so stay tuned and let's keep the ball rolling. All right, we are back after that break. Now, uh, a lot of people have asked, and a lot of people texted me. Uh, give a shout-out to my boy Kevin actually texted me uh, during the Oregon-Auburn game and said, are you watching this game? Uh, with, of course, uh, a few emojis. And I was like, yes, I'm watching this game. This is absolutely insane. What is going on? Uh, I was really t- kind of taken aback. Uh, Bo Nix, I understand he's going to be a legend. Bo knows, and he was there when they won the national championship game. And uh, I want to be straight up honest with you i am an auburn fan so i am very critical of my team uh i think there are things that i would change differently within that system and i thought it was kind of like it had they had Jarrett Stidham this year that team would have been really really good bo Nix didn't really impress me yeah he led the drive but he absolutely he had two interception items i believe the kid can run but he looked hurried oregon's defense got back to him but i honestly was just disappointed in the overall play of oregon if the pac-12 wants to get back into national relevancy they gotta have a team and the team that that kind of pushed them uh was chip kelly and the oregon ducks they got to the national championship they played against auburn now they lost that game and and you know power to them they made it there you know they had an amazing team but that was our that was the staple stanford was a staple usc was a staple uh 
even Washington to a certain degree was a staple. Now it's switched, right? Now we have Utah, we have Washington State, we have Washington, a little bit of Oregon, Stanford not as much, USC not as as relevant. And, you know, congratulations to those programs to being dominant. Utah's been dominant for quite a while now. Uh, They had a little, they struggled when they first entered the Pac-12, but now obviously you look at them in the beatdown on BYU, which is not an easy place to go and win in Lavelle Edwards. They showed it. But honestly, it was just really sad to see Oregon. I thought they honestly beat themselves. Uh, there are a lot of times I questioned uh, the play calling more so. Uh, I did have Oregon losing in this game. I did take Auburn to win it just because I thought that uh, Oregon – they never really seem to live up to the hype. And so now we're going to put this national spotlight off of them. We're going to be talking about Clemson. We're going to talk about Alabama. We're going to be talking about all these other things. And Oregon's going to kind of fall into the background. And then we're going to hit, you know, November 2nd when they beat USC. We're going to, oh my goodness, those guys are 8-1. and one. Are you kidding me? They're 8-1. and one. Where did this team come from? Well, you know, they ended up, they did it by beating Washington, Washington State, USC, you know, and we're going to look back and then the, the spotlight's there. And I've always felt that you know, with Oregon that they've always had this national spotlight. They've always been a little shy of it. Now, uh, they've definitely gone through some uh, weird coaching issues and stuff. I think Mario Cristobal has been uh, the best out of the last uh, three. Uh, obviously, Chip Kelly, I want to give him credit where credit is due. Uh, he did not have uh, a single-digit win season. He went t- 10, 12, 12, and 12. So, with only, uh, it looks like, four, eight losses in his tenure there at Oregon. So give the guy credit. He definitely did something there, and I would like to see them get back to relevancy. Uh, Auburn, congratulations. Uh, let's see how you do it against the big dogs in the SEC, A&M, LSU, Georgia, Florida, and Bama, of course. So we're going to be going forward with the games of the week. The games of the week uh, are brought to you by Get the Ball Rolling and really kind of just watching these things very intently. Uh, the game of the week will be announced at the end of all the other games. Probably will surprise you. Uh, number one, uh, coming out of the Sunbelt Conference, we have Georgia Southern versus Maine. And uh, Georgia Southern, obviously, their quarterback, Shai Mertz, had uh, some legal issues. He ended up getting hurt. Uh, Justin Tomlin, I believe is his name, filled in for him at the end of the LSU game. Uh, honestly, if he plays... Uh, whether he plays or not, I think they're on upset alert. They're playing uh, Maine, University of Maine. This Maine team is so good. I mean, they beat, I believe it was Sacred Heart, uh, pretty good on uh, on last Friday. And they look good. They've turned it around. They have an amazing coaching staff. I actually had them on the on the on the podcast and if you want to go down and look at it listen to to kind of how they take the approach i would put them on upset alert i was really big on this georgia southern team but just things outside of what the coach could control kind of spiraled the season we're going to be watching them for a couple weeks and if they're zero and four one and three we'll probably stop talking about it but that will be the game of the week uh on to the mac ohio at Pitt. now this is the real test for ohio again ohio is mr consistency they go eight and four nine and three every single year every single year they're at the top of the Mac and they somehow will not do anything in the you know in the preseason or the the non-conference games and then get in the Mac and they have they do enough to win and so this is going to be a really big test I think they're really uh they're playing against Pittsburgh they're in Pittsburgh but this is a real test for Ohio uh a lot of people have told me that Ohio looks a lot better than what they have in years past but 
overall, I want to see it. This is the first big, real big test for them, and uh, they could potentially win the MAC. They're one of the favorites to win it. So we'll be watching them, how they respond to a Power 5 conference team. Uh, out of the Conference USL, we have Marshall at Boise. I believe this game is actually played on Thursday or Friday. It's not on Saturday, so definitely tune into that. Uh, Boise is favored uh, by 11 points, and... Not taking anything away from Boise, and I understand it's on the Smurf turf out there in Idaho, but this Marshall team is good. I honestly, I was sold on them in the preseason. Uh, I listened to a lot of radio over the summer, and they talked about that this team might be the most uh, deep team that they've seen from Marshall. Uh, and this is a team that in 2015 they went uh, 10 and 3, in 14 they went 13 and 1, and then in 13 they went 10 and 4. So they have this is. You know, they're really consistent. They had one bad year in 2016. We won't take that away. Doc Holliday is a great coach. Uh, definitely going to be wanting to, to watch this game. It is actually on Friday. Sorry, so I, I did confirm that. It's on Friday night, uh, September 6th. Definitely tune into this game. Uh, 11 points. I definitely take uh, Marshall. To, uh, I don't think Boise State will cover the spread. But I definitely want to watch this game against two teams, you know, uh, Marshall could come out of the Conference USA, and we might be talking about these two teams going forward as the two group of five uh, winners uh, come, you know, January time. We're talking about, you know, the the big six, uh, the New Year's Six Bulls. We'll definitely be wanting to watch either one of these two. Um, next up is the Mountain West, and that is Hawaii against Oregon State. And the biggest question that I have uh, in this game is can Hawaii do it? They play three straight uh, Pac-12 teams, and then followed by an FCS foe, but they beat Arizona, okay, and it was in Hawaii, but did that matter, right? They're going to be playing Oregon State, now they're favored by five and a half points, and I want to see if this team can beat them. They were electric, they put up 45 points, Cedric Bird is amazing wide receiver. I really want to see if how they will handle against Oregon State. It's going to be a lot, a lot of offense, and it's going to be a night game. I believe uh, even like the kickoff here is close to like ten o'clock. Now I understand you guys on the East Coast and 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 whatnot but might not tune into this game, but you will want to keep an eye on this. Five and a half points is extremely close. Obviously, it was seven points this last game. Definitely want to tune into this game. Uh, I'll be up watching it. I was very impressed with uh, Hawaii's offense. Not so much their defense, Hawaii's offense. They did get the stop in the end, though. And then Oregon State's offense, I was genuinely impressed uh, against Oklahoma State. Not so much with their defense. It's going to be a high, high-scoring game. Can Hawaii do it to back-to-back Pac-12 teams? Uh, After out of the American... Now, I talked a little bit about them this last week, and I don't want you guys just to think uh, that I'm always talking about the same team, but these are the teams that intrigue me, uh, teams that might have struggled in the past and are looking to right the ship uh, this year, and that is the SMU Mustangs. Uh, I really like this team uh, back in 2011, 2009, when they were uh, really good. Uh, this In 2017, they ended up going to a bowl game. They lost. Uh, they won in 2012. But I followed this team. Uh, they've kind of been uh, one of my teams that I followed. Not so much a, a big fan, but I followed them, right? They beat Arkansas State. That was a big step. I actually had Arkansas State favored in that game, and they ended up proving me wrong. They were on the road in Jonesboro, Arkansas. They won. Now they're coming home against North Texas. North Texas is another one of those CUSA teams that are going to be really impressive throughout the year. Uh, I actually think that SMU might get the win here. Um, 
I wanted to look up the betting line, and the current betting line is SMU by four points. I definitely take uh, SMU in that. I think they'll cover the spread. Uh, but North Texas has a high-powered offense. Definitely want to tune into that game as well. Uh, moving on to the Pac-12. Now, I did kind of make fun of it, uh, the game on the week out of the Pac-12 this last week, and I had uh, Stanford against Northwestern, and I said... Well, that was the most boring game of the week, and it was one of the games of the week. Uh, but this 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 one is USC at Stanford, and or sorry, USC home against Stanford. Sorry, I misspoke. Uh, but USC has to replace uh, a quarterback, which did fairly well. Uh, JT Daniels played fairly well against uh, Fresno. Didn't I mean turn my head a little bit? He, he was. Uh, a little impressive, I guess. Not, I mean, nothing like going to win the Heisman, but he was good. Good enough to win the game, but he ends up tearing his ACL. What is like at life after uh, JT Daniel gets hurt? Uh, this just puts even more pressure on Clay Helton. Uh, if they lose this game and they if they kind of start the spiral, I mean, they they don't have it easy. They're home against Stanford, and they I you know if they win, then you have all the hope in the world. But they have to play at BYU, which they don't play well in Utah, and they have to play home against Utah. And Utah is I honestly think Utah is going to beat USC pretty good. And then at Washington, this next four games they could be uh, one and four, and they could lose every single one of these games next. And I don't really like giving BYU props, but this team, uh, BYU, and this team are going to be very very similar, especially uh, with JT Daniels out. Uh, you know, obviously, you know the center quarterback can. Connection, the wide receivers, everything's different, and we'll see how it progresses. What does life look like after JT Daniels? Um, moving on to the Big Twelve, uh, we have we talked a little bit about transfer quarterbacks uh, this, to start off this. Uh, get the ball rolling a little bit, right? And uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, West Virginia and uh, their quarterback, Austin Kendall, and Kelly Bryant's going to be a duel. Uh, two teams, I mean, obviously, West Virginia, they beat James Madison, but it wasn't in any impression, uh, impressive fashion. Uh, we'll see how they do. And uh, Coach Neil Brown, as well as uh, Barry Odom and the Mizzou Tigers. Uh, really want to see if Missouri can bounce back. If they can't bounce back, what's the point in the season? They're going to write them off. I don't think they'll upset anybody. Georgia's going to take that division handedly, very, very easily, if that's the case. Because Florida didn't look very good as well. And, uh, you know, if West Virginia, if they lose, it's not all, not all hope is lost. But this is a really big win for both of these teams. And it's going to be very pivotal uh, to the bowl season after that moving on to the ACC nobody can look overlook what is going to happen and a little bit of the smack talk that's going on right now and that is between Clemson and Texas A&M Texas A&M guys are guaranteeing that they're going to win however A&M has to go on the road in Death Valley in Clemson uh I don't know if it's going to happen uh Clemson has not lost at home since middle of 2017 Oh, that was the last time they lost, period. I'm sorry, I misspoke. Uh, where they lost in 2017, and they lost to Alabama in the, in, the, in the playoffs, obviously. But at home, they haven't lost since 2016 against Pitt, and that was only by one point. So it's been a long time since these guys lost at home, and if they could beat them, congratulations, A&M. Uh, but I really want to see kind of how this, how Trevor Lawrence plays kind of start off a little slow, uh, throw an interception. Uh, they're obviously favored in this game. They're favored pretty heavily by 17.5 points. I think it's going to be closer than that. I think Jimbo uh, knows Dabo, used to coach at Florida State. Very intriguing game to be there. Uh, finally, in the Big Ten, we have two left. Well, three left. Uh, the Big Ten 
is the game against uh, Maryland uh, playing home against Syracuse. Now, this is a super, super tight spread. Vegas does not want to lose points on this spread. Let me make sure that I got the current betting line. And as of right now, it's 1.5 points, I believe, if I'm reading that correctly. Yeah, so it's Syracuse by one and a half points. That is super, super close. Uh, obviously, they're giving a lot of stock to what Maryland was able to do, 79-0 against Howard. Now, Maryland uh, looked very impressive. We'll see how that translates. Obviously, Josh Jackson, Joshua Jackson, transfer from Virginia Tech. I uh, want to see him on the field against a really good Syracuse team. I think Syracuse can be a top 15 talent. Uh, it would definitely help the ACC uh, and their cause. Uh, you really want to see them play well. But Maryland, kind of a dark horse, has kind of been on the cusp of of uh, eligibility the last couple years, four and eight, five and seven. Now they have a little bit more stability at head coach. So we'll see how this game goes. Really, really tight betting line there. And finally, in the SEC, uh, we have LSU at Texas. You cannot deny uh, this game being very impressive. And uh, not really going to talk a lot about that. You guys know uh, and can tune into you know the national media. You're going to have probably have college football uh, game day there, and uh, you know that these two that you know are both of these programs back. Can these guys make uh, national news? And then finally for the overall game of the week. Now a lot of people have the LSU Texas, and uh, they choose the game of the week based on uh, college football game day, which uh, no uh, knock on them. They definitely get the best games. But the game that I most want to watch is Colorado. Uh, in Boulder, plant taking on Nebraska. Uh, last year it was a barn burner, super good game. Colorado ends up beating Nebraska at home in Lincoln. And I think that left a really bad taste in the mouths of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. But if Nebraska is truly back, and I'm truly to buy in that they are top 25 in the nation, they have to go on the road and beat Colorado in Boulder. It's a big test. It's a lot to ask for. I was not impressed with them. I was more impressed with Colorado, and they didn't really play super good defense. Uh, Their offense, Steven Montez, obviously, uh, super impressive quarterback. I really like him. uh, Four-year veteran there. And I'm going to take the buffs in this game uh there's a lot of different opinions out there on this uh they do have nebraska favored by five points i think that is way too generous i think that uh the buffs are actually going to win i don't even know if it's much of an upset i mean we've kind of created this this story of nebraska that they're back and we want them to be back and we want them to be prominent in college football again but I don't see it. Uh, four and eight. Scott Frost has a lot to do. Yeah, he did. He played well against. You know, he 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 did well uh, when he was at UCF. And congratulations to them and and their claims to the national championship. But now it's time. You're in a. You know, you're back in your your hometown. Your home. St- you know, state. Uh, he played football there. That's what I'm saying. His home and uh, in his alma mater. And you gotta win. And nothing is worse than if they have to fire an alum uh, from, I mean, they don't want to get into that situation. And if they don't, if he doesn't start producing results, well, that's it. And then uh, I I understand Scott Frost. uh, There's a lot of hype around him as a coach. Uh, He did go six and seven his first year. He got a team 
uh, at UCF. This is a little, just a quick little tangent. Uh, they went in 2015. UCF went 0 and 12. 2016 they went 6 and 7. And then 2017 he went 13 and 0. Right. But this is all inherited. That was only a second year. Uh, so they were left over from the coach before, and that was, the coach before uh, was an extremely impressive coach. His name was George O'Leary. Uh, he was able to get to double digit wins in 2010, 2012, 2013. Uh, got nine wins in 14. So it wasn't like he was some scrub of a coach. I understand that he lost 12 games and that is inexcusable to not even win a game especially for fans but you know it wasn't he he didn't go out and recruit these kids and uh it's sad to see it's sad for me to say that and and they were impressive but they even continued the dominance after uh 12 and 1 i said you know you give the coach four years and i want to give scott frost four years and if he doesn't produce if he even goes six and six, it is a really sad uh, journey for him in Lincoln. He, <laughs> I would be very impatient if I was a Nebraska fan. If you only get barely get back to a bowl game, even if, could you imagine they didn't even get back? Now they are on the easier side of the conference, but we will see how this all rolls out. Especially when you're playing a rival as big as Colorado. But I want to be taking the Buffs in that game. So that is our FBS uh, kind of our storyline slash week two uh, podcast. Be sure to tune in every single week uh FBS will be ran I believe it will be ran on Friday mornings with the FCS on Wednesday and then every Monday you will hear a little bit of a recap basically talking about the biggest games reactions to what I saw a lot of it goes off of the the games of the week which I've laid out uh, talk a little bit about them give a little bit of airtime to the FCS as well because I've covered a lot of them in uh, on this podcast series so uh, make sure to leave a comment let me know what you guys think obviously I have a lot of ideas a lot of thoughts uh, going into this uh my preparation for this podcast and i want to i want i genuinely want to know what you guys think so like subscribe uh follow us anywhere facebook twitter instagram uh basically all under the same name at get the ball rolling and uh make sure to tell your family tell your friends about us uh i'm just a college student trying to trying to make it and uh, i want feedback and i want to bring you guys the best in-depth sports analysis of college football that i possibly can Uh, i hope you guys have a great week and until next time let's keep the ball rolling.